Yes, we're live. Woohoo! Once again. <laughs> yes, and so um, and so we meet again. Yes, I always make make this joke where mm -hmm. you know, at the start of the live streaming we have to pretend we didn't meet before the live streaming. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, I'm on this thing. I've never seen you. Wait, how do I get? How do I get in the? How do I get out? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, hi everyone. Um, this is uh, yet another episode of the Security Brand Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm Giorgio, and uh, this is just a little project of mine where I invite cool people uh, to to just have a. Chat That's the me. best compliment I've ever had, man. Thank you, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I, just, just a heads up, I say this to everyone. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I mean, all of my guests in this project because I just invite cool, uh, cool people. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so <clears throat> this is just a little project where I invite people and uh, have a chit chat on some uh, recent um, security news. And uh, the purpose is just, you know, uh, uh, read them, discuss about them, and possibly read, uh, you know, uh, learn something in the process because I, I strongly believe that, um, you know, um, exchanging thoughts with other people from the industry is really, really helpful and helps you, you know, process information, uh, find new stuff that you want to research and deep dive on, and uh, yeah, just grow uh, professionally and, and personally. Today with me, there's uh, Ronnie Tokazowski. Okay, I hope mm -hmm. that that's correct. Yep. And yep. Uh, yeah, uh, thank you very much for joining. But do you want to uh, maybe uh, briefly introduce yourself? Yeah. So uh, as you said, my name is uh, Ronnie Tokazowski. Um, I track many types of scams on the internet. Uh, I track business email compromise, romance scams, uh, pig butchering. Uh, I go under the handle of iHeartMalware, which is what most people know me as on the Twitter sphere or actually know Xing, X now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've been under, been under there, reverse tons of malware in the past. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And uh, I really believe that, you know, your, your background, your knowledge will be definitely uh, very, very helpful with some of the news that uh, we collected uh, tonight. Um, great. So uh, the format is very easy. Um, uh, basically, we, we have a bunch of those news. I'm going to share my screen in a second and we will just have a, a talk uh, on, uh, on them. Um, just, uh, you know, um, uh, a quick request if you are watching this either live here on Twitch or maybe re-watching the, the recording on YouTube or uh, Spotify, uh, listening in that case, um, please consider, you know, sharing this, commenting, or possibly even, you know, hitting on that subscribe button because that's what uh, will just let me know that I need to continue with this and I need to invite more people. Maybe I can invite Ronnie once more if you like it. Um, so, yeah, please, please. Uh, do or or if you or if you don't like it, don't subscribe to his content or my content either. So yeah, that's true. You know, uh, that's a message anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Just let me know what you think. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so let me share my screen here. Okay, so we have it. Cool. Uh, so I'm I'm going to uh, quickly introduce the the news. Uh, first one of this, it's actually a very very cool article from uh, Graham Cluley. Uh, uh, where he describes a um, uh, phishing email he received, right? Um, and I, I really thought, you know, um, it, it's actually pretty interesting the way, like, the, 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 the email itself, the content of the email, and the way they tried to, you know, trick uh, Graham and, of course, uh, 
they didn't make it this time, but I think there's a lot of stuff that will probably, um, you know, hit so many people out there. So I really think it's it's interesting to have a look at this. So the, the email is basically, um, let's say, spoofed to come from uh, uh, UPorn, right? The, the famous, you know, porn site. Um, we can see here that the the um, the email appeared to be actually legitimate, and even the content is pretty well written. So it, uh, there are some screenshots from the the body of the email, and uh, uh, I, I think it's, it's something from uh, I, I will say a few years ago where we we always said in the industry, okay, if the uh, the email is is in a poor English or is a, you know uh, not well written, that's there should be a you know, a red flag, something that should uh, should let you think about fishing. But I think nowadays it's less and less common. Yeah, and um, and that and that grammar, that's definitely. Yeah, I agree with you. Is something where a lot we used to say, yeah, that's the hundred percent de facto one. But so many of these uh, scammers are figuring out. No, you have to make it look more enticing. You have to yeah. add that good grammar in order to start hitting more people on that. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's not always that. So there are a few things for, that, for me at least, are very very interesting. So the the email starts from the very beginning, uh, basically, um, you know, highlighting how Uporn has some AI powered tools, right, in order to recognize, you know, I guess faces from their videos and actually recognize the people in the videos. And uh, they are supposed to reach out to those people and make sure they really know about, you know, them being in a, in a porn video and that they they are okay with that being uploaded on, on their platform. Which, which you know, um, is something that you would, or at least um, uh, some people would expect um, those kind of sites to do, right? It's it's actually a, a pretty good thing from from a, from a porn site, right? Uh, in case that's that's really true, that is coming from them, of course. And uh, you know, so the 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 email is saying, okay, we have a video um, where there's you on the video, right? That is being uploaded. And in case you don't want this really to be uploaded, you have like something like a week in order to prevent uh, the video to be to be shared. Uh, there's these you know, this mention about uh, AI AI tools that I think. It makes a anyone today, uh, you know, um, put so some attention on it, right? Everyone is talking about AI, artificial intelligence, and uh, I think that's just another way to to take to keep your attention on the, on the email, right? Um, and uh, you know, basically, the fact is that um, it will eventually ask you to pay in order to prevent the video uh, to be uploaded. There are also, you know, different uh, you know, kind of subscription or kind of tiers you can pay. Oh, you can pay just to prevent this video. You can pay a little more to prevent these and more videos for the rest of the year. Or potentially, they, you can pay to, um, they say, uh, leverage their their tools, their technology to find out if, even if there are more videos of you with your face, uh, recognizing you know automatically your face in the videos and prevent the, the video to be uh, shared on their platform or other platforms from their network, or at least that that's what they mentioned. So again, there are a bunch of stuff in it that I really think they are interesting, but uh, I want to uh, to 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 know your your first thoughts uh, when you read this uh, this article. 
Oh yeah, definitely, definitely sounds good. Um, there is a ton that sticks out to me on this. Um, first and foremost, the whole concept of the um, the sexual extortion or sextortion, if you will, um, we really kind of saw that coming popular with the Ashley Madison dump. And for yeah. those who are unaware, Ashley Madison was an adult dating website where that had gotten hacked, that database had gotten leaked, and all of the names of the members became public. So you knew who was on the web on the domain. And at the time, scammers took that domain and took the or took that leaked data, if you will, and started emailing those people out saying, hey, I know you were on this website. I'm going to go and tell all your friends that they that you were on here unless you pay that information. That was kind of one of the first places that we started seeing a lot of sextortion. And that has now adapted, morphed into many different flavors of things of, hey, you we saw you uh, browsing these websites. Go pay Bitcoin here. We saw you doing this. Go pay Bitcoin here. And this more recent example here is actually more, I would almost say, is like a convenience piece. Whereas a lot of the other websites, when a lot of the other phishing emails, when they would happen, they'd be like, hey, you did this bad, horrible thing. Uh, I'm going to try and take that money from you. I'm going to extort you out of that. But with this one, it's like, hey, FYI, we have this really cool feature. We added this artificial intelligence. AI is in the buzzword of virtually every news article, every headline over the last couple of months. So it's something that's in our public consciousness. So when you see, hey, AI scanned this to a regular person who's going to be receiving that email, that's something that's feasible because we hear so many different topics about artificial intelligence being able to do these really cool things. And when reading through the article, um, that was one of the biggest things that kind of it's like, hey, here's a convenience. I'm going to try and help you out here. And because of that, people are going to be more likely to click that. And they're going to be more likely to try and fall for that, As of, in my opinion, as opposed to the, hey, I'm going to scare you into doing this. Um, unfortunately, with a lot of material like this, there is a lot of stigmas around um, Viewing that content, participating in this content, um, not going to get into those, not going to get into those debates or anything. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of shame that goes along with, "Hey, you're I found you in this website. I'm going to go share this stuff. I'm going to push you into here." And for some people, it'll shake them up. And when you have a user who sees this, they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to go pay that two hundred dollars just so that I'm not on there. I'm going to go pay that. Um, I think it was up to almost eleven hundred dollars in some cases for that." to yeah. not be referenced, or actually no, $1,400 to not be referenced on there. Um, and for that convenience of having that peace of mind, if you will, um, we'll pay a lot for that. We will pay a lot to feel like we don't have to worry about something. And that's why, like, if you take a look at insurance companies, it's something where it's like, okay, you pay all this money to not have to worry um, and, and not to wor- have to worry about something. If something does happen, okay, whew, don't have to worry about it. But what we're seeing here, and again, this is something with a lot of phishing examples and a lot of phishing emails that we see, our emotions are being turned against us to make us feel shame or to make us feel afraid. And it's in that sense of being afraid of something that the scammers will be like, hey, you need to go and buy this money to help get rid of that scared feeling, to get rid of that shame feeling, to not have to worry about that. Absolutely. Like, what you were talking, I was also thinking about... so. What kind of red flags we can we can find on this you know email um, or anyone could find it because again the usual ones like okay look at the um, who is really sending the email or uh, is it very well written or not mm-hmm. I really believe those are not uh, very useful in this case right right I agree 
very well written. It yes. seems, you know, it's really sent by, by you, Pern. So yeah. uh, that's not something you can really use to find out about the, the phishing. Yeah, um, the... the the only the only case again this is now gets if you scroll back up to the email subject um the only case where it might be a typo but again this is going to come down to email etiquette in this perspective where it says urgent upload content notification depending on the casing content and notification might have to be capitalized again depending on how you send your emails i know yeah. personally i i do that casing for my stuff uh but again it's dependent on how somebody sends up, but no, I agree hundred percent with you is it looks like it's from you porn. It's very well written. It's grammatically it's correct. So minus the use of a Bitcoin address, everything looks legitimate. You actually make me notice something, right? The subjects mm -hmm. say, you know, start with urgent, you know, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the sense of urgency is mm -hmm. something that they definitely leverage in order to make you uh, think fast and we not really, you know, uh, process too much on what to do and just act right so that right. could be one i don't know not, not the strongest one but that could be one of the clues the other things there are some strong you know signals uh, that we didn't mention before it's actually that there are a couple of links you know that you should be able to click on the, the body of the email Th you know those links that should actually redirect to to the to the, to the side where you should be able to review the video right and to be sure that it's actually you and those videos are uh, are not really working. So mm -hmm. there's actually no point. Wait, wait, you mean I can't go see? I can't, I can't go see what I'm doing? I can't go see what the videos yeah, are? Uh, no, I need to be able to see it. We're, I can't click it. Yeah, yeah. That is actually probably worse. But mm -hmm. still, the fact that there's not, not just one, but more, you know, uh, uh, two or three links, I don't really remember. Anyway, that they are not working, you know, uh, it should say something. Uh, if if you're if you're paying attention, uh, mm -hmm. um, on the other end, like uh, one could could say, okay, but I I know like like Grime in this case, I know I didn't do any porn video, right? So I'm not worried about this. But I was also thinking they start talking about AI from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. They are not specifically saying it, but you, if you read some news here and there, you definitely know that you know. They, they could fake it, right? Someone oh, could yeah. basically take your face and do a deep fake video. So deep fake is basically, you know, uh, the process to to elaborate video and or audio, I think, um, you know, automatically mimicking your, um, your own voice or uh, appearance um, just because they, they got some, you know, audio recordings or some uh, photos of you or videos of you uh, from social networks or something. So and the, and, and, the, and the interesting piece with that is I was actually walking around DEF CON this year and in the um, in where one of the villages and everything, they actually had live videos playing where they were actually modifying faces yeah. and putting them on top of things. So the concept of, hey, you have your face on this that's being now paced on top of something like it's entirely, it's entirely possible. Um, I know on the underground market on the, again, in the adult film industry, there's an entire underground market of pacing celebrity faces on other bodies for that reason. So again, this is something that we have actually seen in the wild. So again, it's somewhere it's entirely plausible that no, someone did do that. Um, the other thing too, you also mentioned a lot of the voices, and people need to understand that when it comes to making AI voices, um, it's not that difficult and there really is not much that goes into it. I know there's been some cases where 
family members have been called up where like spouses and loved ones have been mm. abused and kidnapped and beaten. And they're like, it sounds exactly like them. Um, to test some of that technology, I used it was I think it was either 30 seconds or a minute of audio from my voice that I'm like, okay, I'm gonna upload this and then make a completely different script that has nothing to say with. Um, not only did it sound like me, it actually captured my mannerisms, which was terrifying <laughs> to say the least. So we're in an era now where it is possible to generate these things. And specific to facial recognition and facial face with AI, we have seen real time action of that being used in from in the case of scams. Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, the the um, the the, uh, the speech you were talking about from DefCon, we we spoke about this in one of the previous episodes. So if you're watching this and you are interested, try to you know uh, uh, have a look at the the previous episode so uh, you can. Uh, uh, you can understand what, what, what we are talking about. And I totally um, meant to do that on purpose too. Totally meant to refer back absolutely. to that. Absolutely. No, yeah, because I yeah. mentioned this to you before, right? Let's let's do this. Let's plan so that we can refer oh, yeah. to the previous episodes. Well, actually, uh, no. For all the viewers, you said that we're, I'm supposed to pretend like we've never seen anybody. So I was supposed to hop on and be like, ah, so we meet again. <laughs> I have never seen or spoken to you like 15 <laughs> minutes prior to the starting of this recording. So. Okay, this is going to be nice. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we mentioned about the, the AI thing. We mentioned about the missing links. Now, I think there's another major signal, uh, at least in my, my point of view. And the fact Crypto. Is that, yes, eventually yep. they will ask you to pay, not with any card or not with, the, I don't know, PayPal or something, but with, uh, you know, I think Bitcoin, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. specified there. Uh, so with cryptocurrency, they just give you, um, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the wallet, right? The the identifier of the of their Bitcoin wallet, so you can uh, do a transaction. And they also, I think, they briefly help you with how to do that, because of course, not not everyone is able to do that. And this should be, at least in my eyes, a major signal, because I don't think it's still that common, right? That. Mm -hmm. You know, a legit organization or just you know a big organization support those kind of payments, and we should know that. You know, unfortunately, that that's not the let's say the goal of cryptocurrencies. But we know that uh, you know attackers or uh, cyber criminals and and um, you know all of the all of those kind of uh, people like to use this kind of currency because it's difficult to track. Not impossible, but de mm -hmm. definitely no. Uh, much much better compared to you know uh, uh, just cash, right? There's all there's also a lot of uncertainty around cryptocurrencies too because if I go and send something through like a wire transfer from my bank, I can go and call my bank and be like, hey, I sent this wire, it went over to this place. I need help trying to get this recouped. But if you go and buy Bitcoin, for example, it's gonna be very much a different case where you don't necessarily know who to contact, who to reach out to. You might buy it through Coinbase, Cash App. I think PayPal even has some abilities to do crypto now too, but the processes in order to get that recovered isn't as easy. In addition to that, for your end user, many of them have know the word Bitcoin, many of them know cryptocurrency, but very similar to AI, like that's the extent that many of them know about it. Yeah. They might have done more research in regard to it, but yeah, it's very much a black box where they might not know the full inner workings of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> so I think I think that's the the major spot there. Uh, now, again, the fact that they give you different possibilities to pay, oh, you can just pay 
I don't know, $200 just for this video. You can pay uh, even more than a thousand so we can take it monitored, right, for you. And in case any any more video is going to be uploaded here on any other platform, uh, you know, this kind of different choices, in my eyes, really makes it even more um, credible, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what everyone is doing. Everyone is um, giving away, you know, different possibilities of subscription, uh, subscription for different just kind of people, right? So if you cannot afford it, you can have it the, the basic one or uh, the premium one. So it really makes me think this is something legit from a proper corporate, uh, right? Trying to sell their services. So mm -hmm. this is a very, you know, a very, um, I, want, I don't want to say nice one, right? But mm -hmm. it's definitely well-designed, well-thought uh, to. Yeah, uh, and, and, and like I mentioned earlier, it definitely weaponizes that concept of convenience, of trying to do that favor for you, trying to help you out. And again, it's like, no, we know. And again, the tone that I take from this is, hey, we know this is a hard thing. We know you may not want this stuff up there. So let me help you remove that. And that goes much, I, I believe that goes much further than, oh, you did this horrible thing. I'm going to go ahead and make you go pay these billion dollars or like go and beat your family if you don't do this. Like, no, it, like those will scare somebody. This, again, it has a much um, emotionally to me, it, it comes off as a much calmer tone, if you will. So Cool. So if you agree, we can we could probably move to the next yeah. news. Uh, Fine by me. Was, yeah, yeah, perfect. So that was an interesting one. Just again, read a reminder if you mm -hmm. uh, if you like this and you want to see more with other guests or maybe with Ronnie again, please consider commenting, sharing, mm -hmm. and um, uh, subscribing. Yep. And if you want to hit me up, uh, anti scam education. Absolutely. By the yep. way, got... uh, sorry. Oh, as you say, yeah, officially got that website set up. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can actually probably write this on the chat if anyone. Okay, is cool. Watching. And, yeah, that'd be perfect. Uh, I'll take, you know, uh, Ronnie uh, contacts and put this on the uh, description of our, the uh, YouTube video, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, have, have a look at that. Uh, let, me, uh, let me do this. Okay, I'll do this mm -hmm. in, a, in a second. That's fine. Cool. So um, next news, uh, once again, unfortunately, it talks about Microsoft. Uh, we, we had many news about Microsoft in the, in the last episodes, but, you know, it's not on purpose. It's just that. Stuff is happening, and I really need to talk about this. Um, so um, Microsoft has been in, in the news for multiple reasons recently, but uh, we we had another uh, another reason to to talk about it um, this last week. So basically, uh, a, a team inside Microsoft that is specialized and is working on uh, AI models. I think on uh, uh, image recognition, in, uh, in you know uh, specifically. Um, they they you know they were contributing to a GitHub uh, repository, right? Uh, providing some data for you know uh, people to to uh, elaborate the data and use for their own AI models. We know that you know artificial intelligence, in order to work, needs to uh, elaborate usually a lot of data before, right? To be trained, they say, you no know, machine learning, it's about the AI models training themselves on a lot of data so that they can use that knowledge to recognize images or to maybe build a new, new, uh, you know, new ones. And uh, there's a, a lot of talking about, uh, you know, 
the, the, the majority of the data is owned by the companies and it's difficult to have open source solutions because you know you can maybe build the software but you have to um, uh, get access to the data in order to train your software before right but companies that have, you know some companies have started sharing you know some data sets this is the case with the Microsoft in this case uh, they were doing you know openly and publicly on uh, github and um, the fact that was that uh, the storage that they were um, uh, sharing, you know, that, that contained the data uh, was actually uh, not really well configured, right? Not really, um, uh, I, I would say, um, no one reviewed the configuration very, uh, very carefully before sharing the, that URL. And um, the the same uh, um, the same key, uh, the same token that they shared actually um, will provide access to uh, some other data that were not supposed to be to be shared. Uh, specifically, I think it's written somewhere in there that there were some backups of um, former employees from the company with everything that was that was stored on those laptops, right, or you know uh, computers. Uh, you know, there were a lot of data, a lot of password and keys to possibly, you know, other resources <laughs> and a lot of private messages for, you know, internal communication in Microsoft. Um, now, again, we, I think we have uh, um, a list of different, you know, uh, topics to talk about in here, like the urgency to, to share those huge data sets and uh, who is really looking at those data sets, right? Uh, what what does that data contain? Can really the company share it or can the company own it? Like uh, from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because we, we have seen uh, companies scraping data from the internet in order to build those data sets, which is a, a little controversial. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, anything about misconfiguration, right? Because most of the news out there, when, you, when we talk about cybersecurity, uh, are always referring to vulnerabilities, right? Oh, zero days everywhere, or you know the attackers had uh, this magic uh, key to access everything. While in my you know personal experience, I I work in uh, detection response. Uh, my personal experience, I see a lot of the breaches that are really due to misconfiguration. I would say most of the time, but it's probably something like 50-50 or maybe 60-40. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, the point is that. Uh, you, you know, attackers don't really have to have access to some some major vulnerability when you don't really put care on uh, your own software or the configuration of your software. So uh, that, that that that's what happened in this case, right? Uh, someone was sharing data. The data was maybe supposed to be shared, but you actually get everyone access to to everything, and they were actually pretty. I would say. Um, Lucky that some security researcher actually uh, found out that and um, communicated it, uh, because apparently right now it was uh, it was actually solved. So, uh, what do you think? Um, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I can I can sum my stance up in one word: oops. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So uh, on a on a more serious note. Um, when we code, like, I don't know how you code or, or anybody listening to this, um, we are very judgmental in the case of like, oh, you never put your password in your script. You never do this. You never do that. 
we have all done it. Yeah. We have all ran CH mod seven seven seven. We have all done like one two three four five for a password. Every single one of us. And if we're sitting here trying to be like, oh no, you need to never do this again. It's this horrible thing. Like. It's a bunch of malarkey. We've all done that. So when I read this, I, I see a couple things. So first and foremost, like when you're pushing something and you miss like one flag of a permission and you accidentally push something out, it happens. It a hundred percent happens. It happens all the time. Um, this was just one of those unfortunate cases where someone on the outside saw it before it happened. Um, Second, I'm glad that researcher actually reached back to Microsoft to say, hey, you have all of this information public and you may want to go and do it. Um, one thing, another thing I did notice was that my understanding was the researcher had the ability to like delete information too. So if yeah. a scammer had access to that, they would have been able to do some damage. But again, my understanding is that didn't happen. Um, the third thing I see, and I could get a soapbox about this one for like the next two hours, um, extended user license agreements. And it's like, Ronnie, how do you get EULA out of like this Microsoft blog post? So every single one of us uses all of these online services. We all have an X account. We have a LinkedIn account. We have a Gmail account. We have a Google account. We have stuff over Microsoft on Bing everywhere. And simply by using that service, you have to say, yes, I want to apply to that EULA. I want to apply to that license agreement in order to use this platform, in order to use this thing. And once you get down in some of that stuff, and it's very like lawyer written to help keep the liability off of you. But when you read a lot of those things, they essentially say, whatever you do on this site, wherever you do it here, we can usually use that, or we can use it to some extent to do this thing here, this thing here, but it's usually written very vaguely. And my understanding kind of where I was reading this was kind of where my mind first went was, okay, all of these messages are being mined. Um, all of this information was being used to train these AI data, data sets, and we could get into morals and discussions on that. But like I said, keeping it high level to meat and potatoes here, um, is that something that companies should be able to do? Should they be able to use your information to further their technology to then resell something back to you or in order to make that business case a little further? Um, in many cases, that's a legitimate business model because, again, if you're using something for free, at the end of the day, you are the product. You are that thing that they're making money from. Um, Google, great example, where they have Google AdSense that will have an ad that can be generated everywhere to where if you go and look something up on your Facebook and you go over on Amazon, like that recommendation that you looked at is going to be on there. Or if you're like, hey, talk to your spouse on what's going by this product. It's very weird. And this is a strange phenomenon that it's like, hey, this thing just so happened to start coming up in my ads. So all of these things are tracked. All of these things are metrics that happen. Um, and again, that's a big discussion on the privacy perspective. Um, is is this something where should companies be doing that or not? Um, I, I don't know the right answer. I know how I personally feel about it, but um, it's something where those are discussions that we have to have as a larger industry, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like again, there was a, a previous episode where we spoke specifically about uh, the Zoom controversy, right? Where they specified on their terms and condition that they were going to use your data in order to train uh, AI model. 
and uh, I'm I'm a bit in a controversial position in this kind of discussion. Like I think it's nothing new. Like we have seen this with social media at the very beginning. They were not training uh, AI models, right? But they were still collecting our data and selling them and using them, processing them, right? This is just a new era of how to process data, mm-hmm. right? And again, it's just yet another product that uh, co- corporates are providing to the public, right? Mm-hmm. You want access to AI, you know, tools, you probably, you know, the, the price for that most of the time is going to be your data, right? Yep. And, uh, or, or, or and marketing companies, they do it the same way. Grocery stores do it the same way. All your credit card transactions are saying, hey, I went and did this thing and bought this stuff. If you're using a store card to get a 30 cent coupon off of that package of ham that you're buying, like when you swipe that card, that's now a trackable metric that goes back to the things you purchased on what day to show what you're interested in, in order to say, okay, when we go and do these flyers on a Tuesday at this part of the year, we're going to go and sell turkeys at a discounted rate because people are going to be buying it. So yeah, it's very much that consumer and marketing case where, yeah, that stuff, that stuff is there and tracked, it, not just in our industry, but all across the board. So true. So true. And, and I think there's just one, only one difference, right? If we compare just, you know, the data that they were collecting before and what's happening right now, the fact is that we had for so much time uh, people that wanted to give, uh, you know, open source or just free tools as a, an alternative to those, you know, tools that corporates were providing where uh, you, you didn't have your data to be collected. Okay, but what about now? So if you want access to an AI tool that has to be trained with some data before, right? Mm -hmm. No matter if there's a corporate behind it or it's an open source tool, right? If you want it to work, you know, uh, properly, it has to be trained before. So again, the data has to be taken somewhere. And even Mm -hmm. if, you know, as, as in this case, Microsoft or other companies are sharing that data with the public, again, where does the data come from? Right. If if it's still your data that they use somehow, or you know uh, that your data that you maybe uploaded at some point on on the internet, even the open source tool is going to be trained on the same data and to process your own data. So it's even worse in 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 some you know uh, in some way to to look at this. But again, I I also think that uh, some people should be already used to it. Unfortunately, right? Mm-hmm. But still, it's nothing, nothing new. Uh, yeah. You know, um, uh, it's a little sad perspective, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. It, it, or, or, or here's another case, and this one's definitely going to hit home for um, all the information security people who are listening to this. If you're working in a security operations center at your company, do you have access to the different pieces of metadata about an email that's being sent to your employees. You do like that's written into when you join that company, you have, in some cases, you might have full packet capture of the entire network. You might have um, SIM data, you might have um, information from the IDS. So you have those artifacts. So yeah, it's like we're on one side, we're like, Hey, we don't want to do this. But on the other side, we're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, and the, the other aspect we, we said it already is uh, the, the misconfiguration, you know, uh, aspect of the thing. And how often this, uh, again, in my, in, my, in my eyes, is, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, not not everyone is thinking about it. Everyone is thinking, okay, I have to patch the latest vulnerabilities and I can do that. But are you also working on your configuration? What about, you know, your um, cloud storage or everything? Like any company, right? Like nowadays is using some sort of uh, cloud, you know, solution. Like even, you know, you know that's going to be infrastructure as a service, software as a service or whatever. But still, you're using something and... If you didn't really take care about your on-premises software, right, to to, to really configure that uh, carefully, what about the cloud software that that's that's going to be used so so much nowadays? You did put a secure pa- you did you did put a secure password when you t- set up the live streaming cloud platform here, right? Absolutely, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. Same password as on my luggage. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky no one is uh, watching uh, or listening to this anytime, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, you know, you know that's the case, right? Uh, either you are a company or you are a, just a, a private person like like I am. Uh, you are responsible to not only yeah pay for the software you're using or just um, be careful about how you use it, but if you are getting us access to someone else, right? Uh, just deep dive and uh, know exactly what you are sharing with what permissions, because as you said before, it's not. Uh, only about what you are sharing, but in this case, it should. It was supposed to be only reading the data, right? Getting access to the data so that anyone else could download it and reuse it. But it could be changed. It could be rewritten. So what happens if uh, you know I take up um, legit Microsoft URL that they shared? I change the data in it, and anyone who access to it, I don't know, gets even you know. Uh, access to a malware or, or something. So, you know, it could be really, uh, uh, really bad, right? It could be much, much worse than what happened this time. And uh, we, we don't really know how many uh, other times this same thing is happening out there with other companies, other cloud solutions and everything. And, and yeah, it's, it's just a mess, I know. Uh, but it's still something that I believe uh, no one is really, or, you know, just few few people are really considering, uh, just because it's I don't know less less funky, less uh, fancy mm-hmm. to talk about just misconfiguration and not uh, vulnerabilities or, or stuff like that. Okay. Or or to sum it up in one word, oops. <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect <laughs> summary, right? And yep. uh, I think it's it's valid on so many scenarios, not just this one actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'll I'll probably use it. I hope that you didn't really register that as your own, um, uh, you know, possibility. Cool, cool. So what else? Um, I think I think that's kind of it, and we can probably move out uh, with the, with the next one. And I more I probably, crypto. Yes, and I probably you will like this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So another news. This guys, uh, this time um, it's actually I think. Uh, uh, first, first timer in this episode is not about a company being breached. It's about uh, just a you know a private person, uh, even if it's it's actually a billionaire. We are talking about uh, Mark Cuban, um, famous. I, I believe uh, it's, it's famous for uh, the Shark Tank, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, TV show or something. And uh, yeah, famous billionaire. So uh, they they definitely have a, a lot of money that uh, a lot of people wants to um, put put their hands on. 
And uh, specifically, you know, uh, Mark Cuban was and is famous to be a pretty big uh, Bitcoin supporter and cryptocurrency supporter. Uh, and uh, of course, if uh, someone is uh, has a lot of money and it's a big Bitcoin supporter, is gonna own some crypto cryptocurrency, and um, that also means that you know it's it's definitely a target for uh, for those you know. Uh, criminals who are uh, targeting wallets, you know, big wallets, uh, and uh, possibly trying to steal some uh, uh, some money out of it. Um, so I'm no expert, but if you don't know about Bitcoin uh, and blockchain in general, you should know that it's true that, um, you know, one of those features uh, is uh, to anonymize the people who are owning those data, uh, meaning that the actual wallet uh, containing the, the, the money, the cryptocurrency, uh, does not have the name of the person who owns it on it. But at the same time, you can definitely go in there if you have, you know, the knowledge and the skills and uh, track every single transaction. So you can definitely um, see, um, uh, you know, uh, whoever is sending money to to, uh, to another person around the world. And that's what, what you know, they did with um, Mark Cuban's uh, wallet. Someone was just monitoring it because they, they knew there was a lot of uh, money on it. Uh, specifically, apparently, it specified there uh, $870,000 uh, in cryptocurrency. And just monitoring this, they noticed that after uh, a lot of time, uh, 160 days, uh, that there was no transactions, so no movement of money, right? Suddenly, all of the wallet was completely drained. Okay, so everything was actually sent to other uh, wallets. Um, most of the time is uh, is multiple wallets, right? So you cannot, you know, again, easily track everything. And uh, you know, that that's kind of the 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 event. So what happened? Um, and uh, it's not a new thing. We had, we had you know similar cases in the past. Now the the interesting thing is that Cuban was actually interviewed and uh, said something about it. And they specifically said that he believed uh, to be um, to have been fished, right? Um, uh, to have been target of a of a phishing uh, attack, where they they found a way to get access to the to his wallet, so uh, they can then uh, steal the cryptocurrency. Um, the his his suspicion is that um, he tried to download uh, MetaMask, that is a, a famous, you know. A, software to uh, to use as a wallet basically right but apparently he didn't really uh, took too much care about you know what he was uh, downloading and installing and it was potentially uh, like the malware itself that then um, drained drained everything so once again uh, just phishing so just you know uh, something that is not really technically advanced it's advanced but in in another aspect uh, if you ask me and uh, it, that it led to a lot of, you know, um, uh, economic resources to be to be stolen, even from someone that should be or you would expect to be, you know, um, kind of tech savvy, right? Uh, because he is into tech, he is into Bitcoin, and usually, if you are into Bitcoin or at least, you know, the the, the big supporters know that they they have to to take care about the, their digital money because they are, in fact. Digital, right? So, um, yeah. What What do you think about this? Um, it started out with a fish. How did it end up like this? It was only a fish. It was only a fish. 
Um, so my uh, so my official take on this is, um, yeah, it started out with a fish. He went and clicked that, went to go try and download MetaMask. And through doing that, um, again, we don't fully have the visibility into how this played out, but we do know that there are fake crypto applications that you can download on your phone, that you can browse through your web browser that will make it look legitimate. That will make it look like, hey, this is MetaMask, this is Coinbase, this is Cash App, this is whatever. And when you use those applications, they will go and steal your information. A lot of where we see these coming out and a lot of where we see this playing out is on the pig butchering side of the fence or what we consider as pig butchering. And what that is, is that's a lot of the crypto investment scams that we see that are coming out like Southeast Asia that are being used to kind of go and seal those assets. So they may say something like, hey, we have this really great investment opportunity. Hey, you're in this relationship. We want to go ahead and seal this money from you or not seal this money, but go and invest over here. Um, Again, this is along the same lines as that, where, hey, we now have this application, go file this information, go put your password in here. And for how quickly they were able to cash out, like that's not surprising because scammers move quickly on these type of scams. The other interesting thing to point out is that when it comes to people who were on Shark Tank um, a couple years ago, uh, Barbara Cor- uh, Cor- uh, Corcoran, I'm probably mispronouncing her name there, but she was actually hit with a business email compromise. So this is not the first shark that we've seen who's been hit with some type of scam. And was it something where they actually targeted Mark? Was it something where it was a random thing? We don't know. But we do know cryptocurrencies are actually one of the top scams out there right now. And it's and again, it's very common for uh, for victims. I've seen a ton of victims hit uh, very unfortunate stories. But yeah, it's something where we do see a lot of that happening. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, especially if you, uh, if you are targeting some of these people with, you know, of course, a lot of money, uh, they will have so many different mm-hmm. assets, right? Yep. They will have uh, any kind of assets, you know, stocks from companies or, uh, of course, cash or accounts in many different banks. But if you think about it, and it's a bit, you know, uh, like a paradox, potentially cryptocurrency is the, the easiest thing you can probably uh, get access to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. It should not be, right? Again, if you take care about them, if you... Uh, you know, just uh, put you no know, good passwords, or you don't share it with anyone. You don't um, install any software without double checking and everything. But still, we know that again, 100% security is not a thing. Anyone can still uh, fall for something like this. It's not yeah. just uh, Mark Cuban. It's not about pointing. You know, uh, okay, it was his fault. Uh, and and so, the other thing, and the other thing too, yeah. when it comes to using cryptocurrency. Um, it's not straightforward either. So it going yeah. to download this program over here or that program over here, like I know there's times where I've researched cryptocurrencies as well, trying to find something just to move the currencies around. As I go, go download this executable here, download this thing here, download this thing here. So it's extremely easy to get confused with when you're going to buy something. In addition to that, there were some changes that went into the Google search engine where you can go and search for certain key phrases and they're going to go and pop up in the top part of the ads and right. scammers know that. So they will, the scammers will go and intentionally abuse that search function where, Oh, Hey, come to shady 
And of course you can go ahead and go and use the download this crypto thing. And from researching a lot of these investment scams, it's very popular with how this works is, hey, we're going to go put a lot of that stuff out there. Yeah, like, you know, I think they call it like um, advertising when mm -hmm. attackers actually pay the, the search engines to put their um, spoofy websites on top of the results. And again, we've seen some of the some of that in previous episodes. So go have a look at that. Uh, but again, this is this scenario, right? This is this case uh, on another scenario you could have like uh not a not a phishing wallet uh but also you know uh, uh another type of malware that is just you know stealing every any secrets or any password you can you have on your devices and with that also you know maybe uh the key to access uh your wallets so it really depends uh and uh, there are multiple ways to 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 um to get access to them but what i'm saying is that it's the most public asset that you will have it's the most easily reachable thing. Okay, you need your, you know, the credentials, the keys, and everything. But if you compare that to, I know, uh, his a million dollar car, right? You have to easily access his, I don't know, box, garage, or everything. And maybe mm -hmm. they have, uh, you know, uh, security cameras and uh, whatsoever. So, uh, that is the, that is unless you go the XKCD route of the five dollar wrench to ask him where the keys are. But. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, um, and there was also this case where you know maybe you have a, just a, a very uh, fancy Tesla and you mm -hmm. go and knock in, into the Tesla itself. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> of but then get, but then get to pop into the door of the Tesla, just use one of those things. You'd be like, oh, there's a gas can, or there anyway, your uh, your charger board. There's a way for everything, right? Yep. What yep. I'm saying is that you know the world is there, is uh, publicly facing people around the world is monitoring it. Right, so the the point is that it should be anonymous, but right now, like today on Twitter, everyone knows that this wallet is owned by you know Mark Cuban, right? So if I want to target Mark Cuban, I definitely know where you know his money uh, mm -hmm. are, right? Or at least <laughs> a part of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's it's really kind of a paradox. You, you will think that you know. Uh, um, you know, it's on the blockchain. Uh, that is another, you know, pretty uh, big buzzword from the last years. And uh, everyone is saying, oh, our security is, but it's not about the technology. It's still about how you handle your own assets, right? And how public you are, how big of a target you could be, and so on and so forth. Of course, you, if you are one of the very few wallets which is so full of money out there, because not so many people will have one million of cryptocurrency in their wallet. Uh, you're going to be, of course, a target, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to be, uh, definitely your security, you know, bar should be much, much higher than uh, than the other people doing this for just a few, few dollars, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that that's a big topic right there, right? Uh, yep. Just because you are Mark Cuban, you should definitely put, you know, much more attention to, to this kind of stuff. Uh, but again, of course, uh, they could they could still find a way to to breach um, you know uh, your your personal defenses. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I thought this this was really uh, the thing interesting about this uh, cryptocurrency. Of course, um, they are still uh, a big target, and uh, it's all software. So you know you can uh, easily reach out to that. Even if you know technically there are the the hardware wallets, right? Where um, I'm not sure what's the word for it. But you can store all the cryptocurrency in a, in a hardware that, uh, you know, unless you will 
uh, to, to use that uh, are physically not attached to any network. So they have to get access to the physical wallet uh, uh, as well. But again, that's, mm -hmm. that's possible. <laughs> that's still possible. And, uh, and the fact that, you know, once again, phishing was it, right? Um, it's just the easiest ways, uh, way uh, or the, just the uh, oldest way that still work nowadays for any scenario. Being it started target, out uh, with a fish. How did it end up like this? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it, it's not different with, uh, with uh, a company or, or just a, a person, right? Uh, we've seen this in uh, even in the in the previous um, previous news. Uh, if if you have something to to lose, then you could still be uh, a target, and anyone could be. Uh, you as you know, um, or just me, right? I am mm -hmm. no one, but still, someone can ask me few few hundred dollars for uh, prevent my porn video to be re-uploaded, or if you have one million dollar in cryptocurrency, uh, it's there's still a, a good way to to. Um, get into your into your uh, assets in there. So yep. and, and and at the end of the day, like while we all have these cell phones and we can text back and forth, email is still one of the primary business communication tools out there. So it's like until we communally get off of email, like phishing will still be a problem. So yeah, absolutely. At least you know that's still if you if you consider phishing only you know emails. But technically, you can use yep. whatever. You know, uh, I can send you uh, an SMS. Or uh, the, now, nowadays they change the name a bit. They call it about um, uh, smishing or phishing yes. if you are doing it via via phone call. But at the end of the day, uh, it's kind of the same stuff. They are just yeah. using a different medium, right? And they will mm -hmm. use newer mediums even in the future. But it's still social engineering, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and just for the record, just to throw this out here, I absolutely hate the word submishing. Like it's, it's it doesn't roll off the tongue like fishing. Fine. Woo. Go catch something. No, smishing does not roll off the tongue. We need a new name for it. Yeah, I actually think about this more on a higher level. Like, why <clears throat> do we need a new name for for everything? Right. I think it puts, you know, just more confusion to it. Uh, no, no, no. The marketing team needs to have a new name so that we can track the campaigns. And as we track these new campaigns, we can then go sell a brand new Blinky box. And once we sell that Blinky box, I can say my Blinky box is better than that other customer's Blinky box. And because that Blinky box is better than theirs, I can go and charge you $100,000 for my Blinky box. But wait, there's more. Because we have this next-gen APT threat synergy threat butt plug exogu thing on here now i can go ahead and go sell you this really really cool planky box for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. but i'll mark fifty thousand dollars off of that in order to sell it for two hundred thousand dollars and that's why i need a different name for every damn thing i publish and you can quote me on that i need you i hire you <laughs> for when you know this podcast will explode and i will need to sell stuff to my people yeah uh, dude but no but no i that's having a different campaign name a different threat group yeah, which is gonna yeah. be great rolling into the next one but having a different threat group name for the same freaking malware campaign the group Tricky nerd smishing is a bad name. I'm going to disagree with you on that, but it's one of those things where we need, we're all working together. We're yeah. tracking the same stuff, 
Quit coming up with a new name. It's confusing as it is already. Stop with this whole, I have another name for this threat group when there's 16 other names for the thing. But we're going to track it as a cam. Yeah, yeah. God, now you got me on a soapbox now, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's actually uh, a great topic. And by the way, someone is not really agreeing with you. Uh, as you can see in the comments, someone is saying, you know, smishing is a... Ne- is it smishing? I don't know. Smishing is a never Sunday. They, they're allowed to be wrong. They're allowed to be wrong. I don't care. <laughs> well, uh, if that's a hill I die on, so what? Smishing? Blah, 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 blah. No. <laughs> yeah, by the way, the thing about, you know, uh, different companies giving different names about the same stuff, it's actually a, a big topic and something that uh, I want to, you know, uh, spend just a few minutes on it because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again... I do this this podcast because I think a very simple thing such as reading some news can be so mm-hmm. powerful for you know just enriching yourself as a as, again as a professional or just as mm-hmm. a passionate passionate person uh, about these these topics. And the fact is that just reading them, especially for someone that is not a, you know already into the industry, is really difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right? You can read the same news from. 10 different, you know, uh, news sites or websites or blogs and, and everything. And they will use different terms for the same thing. And sometimes those terms actually mean something slightly different. And mm-hmm. give you a completely different idea about what's really happening on or uh, what was the meaning behind what, what, what you're reading. <coughs> and, and again, reading something together and discussing about something together with other people and understanding the different kind of point of views or different kind of interpretation of the same stuff, I think it's so so useful because mm-hmm. you know just who is who's writing those kind of news. I don't think everyone is doing this on purpose, but still are making this stuff difficult. For oh yeah, the yeah, reader. yeah, Definitely and and difficult. yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And again, that's been a soapbox of mine for a very long time. Um, just from my background, when I started in the industry. Um, I worked for the defense industrial base. We were tracking um, APTs at the time. And at the time, APT was, we're tracking Chinese threats, trying to break into our defense contractors. And even within that small knit community at the time, we tried to have as many similar names across the board as we could, because it gets into this absolute nightmare of nomenclature where it's like, I call this thing a panda. No, I call this comment crew. No, I call this web CT. No, I call this APT one. No, I call this unit six, one, three, nine, eight. And every single name I just rambled off are the same name for the same group based on the malware that they were using at the time. And because of that, unless you have that knowledge, when you go and like you were saying from an outside perspective, from a marketing perspective, your marketing teams and your news outlets have absolutely no idea what any of that stuff is. They have no idea those campaign specific things. They're not going to be going looking at, oh, what's this magic bite inside of this malware that they're looking at? It's beyond confusing. It's infuriating because very much with what you were saying is there's so many names for these different things. For one, we can't even agree on a name internally within our own industry. And then number two, we now have to go talk to these marketing providers. We have to go and do these press interviews and they're going to get, not that they're going to get the names wrong, but there's going to be confusion there because they're not in our industry. So no, we need some solid naming in for these groups. Again, we'll get into it. I'll point out some of the stuff in the next article, but yeah, the nomenclature that we're using for how we're naming stuff sucks. 
And like one of the best things that um, one of the best things I've ever seen published, and even to this day, um, it was by a security researcher. His name is Florian Roth. Um, he went, he saw this problem. He's like, no, I'm going to make the Rosetta Stone for everybody. It's a Google document. You can type APT Rosetta Stone. It's the first one that comes up. It's his personal Google Drive link with the names of every single group that maps back. If you've never heard of this thing, go look it up. Like if you're listening to this like two months later, go look up Florian Roth's um, APT Rosetta Stone. And it shows this group maps to that group, maps to that group, maps to that group. And there are some errors in it. Don't get me wrong. But it's something where from a how do we have one f- message going out to everybody? Like it's one of the best things that's out there. Um, so yeah, we need better naming conventions and more collaboration across the across the globe for these groups that we're tracking. Yeah, and like that—that's particularly true. Uh, true, if you think about uh, you know uh, attribution to you know different. Um, uh, you know, malicious actors and everything, and and I think you know that's the most tricky topic because mm-hmm. you know is very difficult. So maybe, yeah, that's true. The same group could could have different names, yeah. but different companies could have a uh, uh, you know tracking slightly different people. So it's, yeah. it's very very difficult, very tricky. But that's also I think the same when you just talk about you know general terms. Like mm-hmm. I I had the same thing. Uh, talking about all of those malware categories. So it, it's an info stealer <coughs> or it's a spyware. It's the same yeah. thing or it, or it is not. So it's a, yeah. a remote access Trojan or it's a remote access tool. Because mm-hmm. Trojan is something that has a different meaning by itself, right? Uh, that is, you know, um, uh, uh, disguising as, as uh, maybe a legit thing, right? But remote, uh, remote access tool could be just something, you know, a legit tool. So it's go- it's garbage I don't want on my computer. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, I really think <coughs> we could do some, you know, uh, something better in uh, journey, mm-hmm. you know, communication in this industry. But I need to stop this topic right here, not because I don't want to talk about it, but because we have another, you know, our actually yep. final list, the most yep. spicy one. Yeah, and um, and, the, and like I said, the good thing is this actually rolls into this article too, really, really well. Absolutely, absolutely, so much. Um, so let me introduce this. Um, okay, so the article is pretty, uh, pretty cool actually because uh, I think it's written by uh, a very, uh, very cool um, and uh, skilled uh, journalist, Andy Greenberg. Uh, go read the you know his stuff if you didn't already. Um, and uh, this article on Wired is talking about uh, actually a speech from Mandiant at the cybersecurity, you know, um, uh, event um, conference that they they did recently, where they tracked a recent trend for you know that was happening in the last year that people in the industry will not really think about it to be really recent, right? Uh, basically, what they observed from many different, you know, uh, um, incident response activities out there is that uh, many different um, uh, multinational companies, which had uh, at least one, one, you know, one site uh, based in uh, uh, African, you know, uh, um, countries, uh, they found out the origin, like the, the initial access of most of those uh, compromise was infection via a USB drive. Okay, so 
this is something that um, you know is really apparently coming from another another age, another era, right? Uh, it's something that some of some of you will probably associate with uh, with Stuxnet, right? A very uh, you know a very well known story uh, uh, on uh, you know how they actually attacked. Uh, uh, how do you uh, will you call it? Um, you know some. Uh, uh, like an entire industry, right? Uh, English is not helping me right now, but uh, just dropping some uh, USB thumb drives here and there so that the employees could take those USB drives just for the curiosity of, uh, you know, understanding what, what, what was inside, um, you know, insert them in their corporate um, uh, devices, right? And from there, once... Um, uh, once inserted in the computer, the malware could, you know, uh, could spread into the network. Most of the time, they needed to do that because the network was uh, isolated, right? It was air gapped, so basically it was not really connected to the internet. So you needed physical physical access, and uh, when it's difficult to get that, you know, you just try to trick. Uh, once again, the people, you know, the the uh, legit legitimate employers uh, employees uh, to do it on your behalf. So it was really, you know, uh, common and effective, uh, you know, tens of years ago, probably. But apparently, you know, at least in uh, in Africa, uh, it's still very, very common. And uh, not, not 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 really everyone was thinking about it. Um, one of the reasons why uh, this uh, this is actually possible that is uh, explained in the article is the fact that in there are still very common to to be seen uh, like. Uh, internet cafe, right, where people uh, don't really have uh, continuous access to, in, uh, to internet uh, thanks to, to our mobile devices or, or something, but needs to go in on a bar, pub or something so they can uh, use and pay for using a, a computer that is connected to the internet. And from there, if that computer is already, you know, infected uh, with, a, with a malware and you maybe connect your own device uh, to it, the malware can spread to your device, and once you go back to your office, um, uh, once again the malware can can reach uh, to their um, company company networks. Now, I think this is very interesting. First of all, for the attack vector itself, right? It is something that we we don't see again that much often, at least on uh, you know Europe and United States, um, in my point of view. But also um, the fact that. We don't think that maybe in other uh, geographical areas there could be a totally different scenario where totally different, you know, attack vectors are still uh, very common to use, right? And um, the very tricky thing is that some multinational company companies could have like a site in there, and eventually that site will be connected to the rest of the other sites around the world. So if you can, uh, you know, compromise an African site for a very big company that is everywhere. You could probably at some point lateral move, right? And uh, end up in uh, in other parts of the world or, uh, you know, other parts of their their network. So it's very, very interesting thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, there, there are just so many things to do. Where, where do we start? What do you think? Um, so for one, I think it's interesting that they were using USB drive. Because here in here in the states, like we know, okay, you don't plug in random USB drives. Um, <clears throat> that's something that we have 
instructed a lot of people to do. We have security companies and organizations that will hot glue USB drives closed. It will be turned off on the system. It's baked into the newest operating systems. So by default for many OSs here, um, using a USB drive, like it wouldn't normally work. Uh, but it's interesting to see that when you go and start targeting places outside of the United States, you have cases where laptops and computer hardware may not be as most recent as a, as a brand new thing from HP or a brand new computer from Dell because of the cost, because it's much cheaper to buy those older computers. You're going to have cases where you're going to have Windows Vista, Windows XP, um, Windows 7 on those older machines. And when you have that on those older machines, those security mechanisms aren't there. The second thing that you have is when it comes to running legitimate software, and this is something that most people may not realize here, is that when it comes to versions of Windows and versions of Microsoft tools, there's an entire ecosystem of pirated software. So many of those keys to use on that Windows computer might not be legitimate. So they're not getting the security updates that they should. They are using second, third-hand copies of Windows that may have been Trojan to begin with. Mm -hmm. And when you go and look at the fact that they're able to use those malware, use those drives in order to plug in and infect that work system, I 100% agree with you, is that when it comes to installing the software and installing those Trojans and that malware, they can use that as a jumping at pivot point. And I've had cases where working for certain companies, like you have someone that will come in and their computer will start randomly beaconing out. Like this is how people get access to networks is you infect them at home where they don't have those protections. They bring their device in, then they're going to become infected. And that's why you have things like um, knowing what your computer is. You have rules where you set off the personal computers from your corporate assets. You VLAN those off. So yeah, it's very much something that we do see happening and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that it's interesting for me, it's how you know uh, it actually spread into the network, right? Because we, mm -hmm. we, we spoke about how they um, get the first uh, foothold, right? How the, mm -hmm. they do the, the initial access thanks to the USB drives. But the point is that the USB drive themselves, and it's described, uh, I think, at the end of the article for anyone who is going to read this, by the way, I, I don't think I mentioned this, but I'm going to put all of the articles, URLs on the description of, uh, of the YouTube video. So have a look at that. Um, so what they do, right? Uh, we are maybe used to nowadays to something like, uh, you know, a public available um, uh, vulnerability or pu public av available service, which is vulnerable so that the, the, the worm, so the malware that can spread itself can technically just scan the network find out about more hosts, exploit that vulnerability and install itself in other, um, in other hosts into the, um, the, uh, the, the network of the company that was compromised, but also over the internet to other companies. But when it comes to, you know, again, air gap networks or whenever you just need to use USB drives or something like this, uh, what happens is that, okay, again, uh, when you enter uh, the USB drive into the computer, it's spread into that specific device. But then at the same time, uh, you know, uh, um, it, um, I, I, I read that 
part of the um, you know the, the campaign is uh, all about uh, Xpinash most of the time. So they're still definitely looking for data to be exfiltrated. So when mm-hmm. you cannot really just send the data out there to the command and control uh, system of, of the of the attackers, what they do is to uh, basically save data locally on the USB drive, right? So that if that USB drive is then later inserted in another computer with some internet connection, it can send that later, which is pretty um, uh, pretty smart. <laughs> thinking about it, because you have to um, to think, you know, to 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 to, to become smart to, to find a way to bypass those those limitations you have, right? Everything becomes a little um, tricky when you cannot just, you know connect everywhere, scan the network and uh, find out about, you know, other hosts to compromise or reach out to the directly to the attacker's host in order to send data or download more instructions to, so, you know, so the malware can know what to do next. So uh, it's actually, uh, yeah, very, very interesting how, how they get, uh, they got so, uh, so advanced with something so dumb as a, as a USB drive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. They have to, to get really uh, creative. That's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And the and the other thing too is that when you're that creative and stuff, yeah, it's definitely interesting with how you have to think about. Okay, now that I have access to this thing, how can I not script, but not have my malware go and grab all these files and then pull them in? And with a lot of advanced targeting or a lot of APT actors like this that's where they're thinking is their goals are data exfiltration. Their goals are, Hey, I want to steal this weapons technology or I stole this plane and I need to go and steal the new documents in order to maintain that plane. So it's a whole different mindset of, yeah, of what are you trying to target? What's your end goal here? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and about the goal specifically, uh, another thing that is specified on the article is that, they, you know, Mandiant was wasn't really able to to determine what was, you know, uh, the goal in, ter- in, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, uh, which side. Like, was the African side just a way to jump on another, you know, maybe a, a side on the U.S. <clears throat> or is it was actually, you know, the the real goal just because, of, you know, for political reason, China has some interest in uh, in African countries, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the malware just spread. Uh, outside the boundaries, and uh, just because you know it was doing that automatically, right? Um, yep. And and and, and 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 you mentioned China's interest in Africa. I'm actually going to bump that real quick too, because one of the things that we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of money from China being invested into places like Africa um, and all around there, because we're seeing a lot of like ports that are being developed. There's a whole interesting geopolitical discussion here about a lot of the loans that are being written from China because they tend to be higher interest. Some of the people are defaulting on them. And now you have a lot of Chinese interests and buildings and organizations that have been built up with that money that are now back under Chinese control. So from a geopolitical perspective, um, it's definitely interesting seeing the targeting of things like core plug and plug X going in there or Sogu going in there just because of, again, knowing that higher level espionage side of it. Yeah. And that, that always happens when you have, you know, uh, state sponsored mm-hmm. uh, you know, groups, definitely they are doing it for the interest or their own, you know, uh, governments. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
again, it's tricky this time because you have China where it could have the interest in, you know, in both compromising sites in the US or, or Europe, uh, but in, in Africa itself. Yep. Uh, so, so yeah, it's always about, you know, uh, really interpreting and trying to find all of the different um, possibilities because they, they're not going to, to tell you directly yep. uh, why they're doing stuff. So you mm-hmm. have to, to, do, to have different hypotheses in there. Um, And the other interesting thing, too, again, just for context here, for some folks who may not have the article directly in front of them, um, this is the same group that um, that was responsible for the OPM breach. So when the Office of Personnel Management was compromised and had a lot of um, documents on government employees stolen, um, this was one of the groups that was that was responsible for that breach. So this isn't some random, hey, I'm going to go put USB drives on here. Um, These guys have been known for well over a decade. Um, again, they've gone under many different names. I think one of the early names above was like UNC 53. Um, me personally, I knew them as a uh, Sogu or PlugX or CorePlug. Um, most of the time that's related to the name of the malware, not necessarily group. Yeah. So it's something where the malware can be shared between groups and everything. Um, but it's something where, again, that's something that we're, that they're interested in is again, who are these government people? What's their targeting? Um, again, when you start looking at it from that espionage perspective, there's a whole lot more that plays into, hey, this is a random piece of malware sample. Um, what's the intent behind it? And in this case, we may not, we may never know. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I think most of the time we will, you know, we never know uh, mm-hmm. what's the real goal. We we just try to 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 basically, you know, uh, understand what what happened in the network. So where we have evidence, right? Uh, during the investigation and try to understand, okay, they were looking for this kind of data. So possibly that was the, the one of the major goals, right? Uh, if we see exfiltration, then we, we definitely know that, you know, uh, one of the reasons why uh, they compromised the network was, okay, I was searching for data. I needed the data because, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, it's, it's, it's the project for a weapon or uh, just some uh, strategic information that could be useful for research or anything. Uh, so that you know can help the investigators to understand. Okay, this could be one of the goals. But again, when you have these really high-level actors, they could also have multiple different goals that, that they are trying to achieve, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really difficult. Like again, it's really interesting, definitely, uh, but it's also very uh, tricky because of all of the uh, you know geopolitical context that you need in order to understand exactly what is going on. And at the same time, I, I really like always to stress about the fact that, okay, this is what we know, but there's a lot that we don't mm-hmm. know yet or we will possibly never know, right? Yep. So everything has to be taken as, as, as what it is really, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a problem is like we don't know fully what our offensive folks are doing that's helping influence these operations based on the decades of doing that. So yeah, it gets very confusing where from a public perspective we can see so much but until you have that fuller scope on the backside and even then you may not have that full scope picture it's um yeah very confusing on like the full intent of that absolutely absolutely so just just one one last thing i i like to mention uh is that even the thing about the um uh internet cafes right uh okay they have seen this. They have the evidence that, you know, at some point the malware spread even to those uh, uh, little networks, right? And uh, there's the assumption that could have been uh, the, the way to, to, to initially spread the, the, the malware itself, right? 
okay they they know you know they maybe um uh, uh analyze or follow some of the employees they knew that uh, they were also um going to those uh, those kind of places and they figured out okay maybe this could be uh, a way to to get into the network right uh but at the same time could be also uh just a uh you know um an accident okay so maybe they spread uh, the malware directly into the company network like the target network at the same time uh, the employee take his own corporate laptop and uh, you know use it to work remotely mm-hmm. from, from the bar or something and uh, as a as a you know uh, as a consequence mm-hmm. uh, the malware spread also into that that little network you will probably never know with the information we have right now just from you know reconstructing the uh, the incident, uh, exactly all of the individual steps. We can get to know a lot of it, of course, which is uh, the part of an interesting thing, especially because you know the the, mo- the the main reason of doing incident response is try to contain the damage and recover from from the uh, the damage that it was done and possibly eradicate the attacker the attacker so they they are not into the network anymore or they cannot re-enter easily into <clears throat> into the network, mm-hmm. but you know the part where you try to understand the real reasons behind the attack and try to you know uh, uh, attribute to to some uh, actors or specific uh, you know um, uh, cyber criminal. That's where a lot of you know uh, uh, just hypotheses, uh, in my point of view, uh, came out. And uh, the real investigation that most of the time is done by the uh, you know uh, uh, secret agencies or law enforcement. Uh, we we never get or very rarely get to know all of these uh, you know uh, uh, sensitive data, uh, which is unfortunate on one side because we would like to to know about this stuff as well. But you know makes kind of sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, so that's the that's it. Um, okay, so I don't know you, Ronnie, but we uh, were talking already for uh, one hour and a half. Cool. Which, is, which is pretty good. And, um, <laughs> uh, personally, I enjoyed it so much. Oh, yeah, definitely, again. definitely. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. So cool. Um, you know, again, that, that's it. Just discussing with the uh, people, uh, in my case, people that uh, I didn't really know before, which is even uh, even better in some point of views. Uh, and, and especially when uh, you and they know um, something different to me or just more than me, which is always a good thing, guys. Do not think it's a it's a bad thing if someone knows more than you. They can teach you something, and just having a random chat, I think it's a very good way to to learn something from uh, from the people. So thank you so much. Um, thank you to to everyone who is uh, again watching this live on Twitch, and uh, uh, possibly we will uh, have a look at the uh, recordings on YouTube and Spotify. And uh, please give me a feedback. This was uh, awesome or this was awful. Uh, it's still you know, uh, a very good information and I know uh, where to go uh, and uh, you know uh, what to do with this uh, little project. Uh, it was a lot it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. so that was great. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Ronnie. Thank you very Thank much you. everyone else and uh, have, have a good day, good night or whatever. Yep, take care. Bye.